this one. I don't feel we've been using this one enough. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you hit record for this incredible? This is a visual. <laughs> this is the visual for part this of the incredible podcast. discussion. Are we recording this? Is this going to be a cold open? <laughs> this is recording. Yes. Oh, thank thank fuck. So I think I need to clarify for the people listening to this later that the last one that we were howling over is an eggplant. The eggplant emoji being cut by a pair of scissors. <laughs> Sorry. We're not that sorry. Welcome to Bonus Experience. We're an advice show for the modern era. <laughs> Each week, I explain a game design concept to my friend. This is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. We are queer women speaking with authority about games. Neither of us are sick. Nope. (laughs) Yes, we swear. Die mad about it. (laughs) I'm. You are. Who am I? Tell them. Who are you? Tell me who. Tell me who. You are Monica. Yeah. You are an industry professional. (gasps) Yes. And you, yes, are Ray. I am Ray, <laughs> the industry unprofessional. Yes, yes, that's me. And today we're going to talk about how not to be a heartbreaker. It's a joke. <laughs> this is continuing with our genre series. These set of episodes are a little bit more focused on the writing and running games part. Except not this one. I get to go off on design in this one. I the that intro says, but we might you never know. But I'm telling you right now, we're gonna. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you copied and pasted it, didn't I you? I did, in fact, do that. <laughs> well, today, we're talking about the fantasy heartbreaker. Yep. We will not be taking dumps on specific games. No, we, we will not, but we might still Except dunk on D&D, though. We will dump on D&D. Yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> as is our way. That's like our brand at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. All right, so I guess I'll begin with the questioning, because you wrote your answer first. Ray? Yes? What the fuck is a heartbreaker? Well, Ron Edwards, <laughs> in his, according to Webster, no, uh, Ron, Ron Edwards uh, wrote this really excellent article back in like 2002 that I really recommend y'all read all about the concept of the fantasy heartbreaker. And he posits that a heartbreaker is something that is only one creative step away from its source material, which is usually Dungeons and Dragons, um, which for Dungeons and Dragons, for a good stretch of time, they were only one step away from their source material, which was Lord of the Rings. Setting and story-wise, this means heartbreakers are usually one creative decision away from just your straight elves, dwarves, and orcs fighting over MacGuffins. Um, because <laughs> the game creator, for whatever reason, feels that these things are not optional for a fantasy game. Maybe, maybe these Maybe in this one they're fighting in space and the elves and dwarves and orcs are all aliens. Or maybe the elves are purple and the orcs are called something else entirely. So now they can claim that their elves and dwarves and orcs are different and their MacGuffins are much cooler. But, I mean, at at their heart, they're still elves, dwarves, and orcs fighting over MacGuffins. Yeah, so in my experience, um, and if you listen to the Metatopia episode, I do talk about being in a playtest for one. A heartbreaker is often created by someone who does not understand the breadth of game design and is building something, air quotes, new, based on a reaction to their limited experience. 
Um, and that limited experience is almost always with D&D or something like it. For example, an author might think that D&D does not reflect character relationships enough, correct? But then rather than build a game specifically about character relationships, they instead rewrite D&D, but rename all the stats something more in line with what they imagine will create better relationships. Like calling strength personal magnetism or some shit. <laughs> sure, that's a one-on-one. I shrugged and made a face. You can imagine what that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Great. Cool. Yep. What's wrong with Heartbreakers? What's so bad about Heartbreakers anyway? I mean... There's nothing bad about them inherently. I mean, a lot of them are made in genuine earnest and for good reasons. The issue is more when someone professionally produces a heartbreaker and then proceeds to tote it as being so much better than the thing we're copying. It's d and <laughs> It's almost always D&D. Uh, when it is exactly the same, if not worse. And the worst part usually comes from total inexperience with design. Mm. Like, uh, see, my, see my previous point about about it. This often comes from a reaction to something that the designer thinks is missing. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, we don't, we, we don't call them like shitty shit games. We no, call no, them no. Heart, we call them heartbreakers. Right. Cause it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's not in the, not, not in the, you know, oh, this is so bad. It made me sad, like super mean way, but in the, in the clearly you spent a lot of time and effort on this. And this is something that you really loved. And, and really wanted to do right, but you you did a bunch of things that you didn't have to do. You did a lot of things that you shouldn't have done. Heartbreakers are almost always these incredible labors of love created by people who haven't really thought critically about what they're making and why. They, re they represent a lot of time spent on basically just reinventing the wheel. Like, time... Wasted. Time wasted, basically, for both the person who was making the game and inevitably the people who will be playing the game when they realize, oh, this is just D&D, &D, but worse. Yeah. Uh, Henry put posted in the chat that uh, a lot of times they often have a few good ideas buried in there. And that is absolutely yes. correct. Yes. Uh, every That's the other heartbreaking part of it. That is the other heartbreaking part of it is that, that usually like that that genuineness generates something decent, like whether or not it's a really cool setting idea or like a mechanic or something like that that, that like it works it, so the, yep. it's it's i think a but then they get bogged down in but it should have this too right because i'm making another D, &D. heartbreaker it should also have elves and orcs because that's what you're supposed to have right like that kind of an idea and it's that kind of idea that is purely born out of inexperience heartbreakers are almost always written by people who are inexperienced um, also, listen, it's not a metatopia if I don't wind up in a playtest for some dice pull heartbreaker, and then I have to give some poor nervous designer a lot of hard-to-take advice. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. As yes. in the previous yeah. episode we just recorded. Yeah. Hey, we fucking breezed through that, man. We did. I'm glad we did. Because we have a lot, like, you have a lot to say on setting, and then I have a lot to say on mechanics, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine to not be front-loaded, Ray. <laughs> you, you, you wrote a book. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you wrote a lot about what to I do. had a lot to say about setting. It's great. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Monica Monica yeah. under setting was like, this probably isn't that hard. And I was like, oh, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> Monica, you have underestimated me for the last time. Uh, I probably won't be for the last time. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the setting. <laughs> You're here for the fucking hard stuff. <laughs> you just said it wasn't it, it wasn't easy. It's you, not. Yeah, don't undercut yourself, man. Okay. 
Okay. Um, well. Okay. I think we should take. I think I should take my curiosity cola, um, and pop into the all new mid episode break. Oh, what? Yeah. That's what's next. It's all we got, new, huh? Yeah. Well, it's not entirely all new, but we got a bunch of stuff that we need to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. <coughs> oh no. Oh, hang on. Oh no. You, all right. Do you need to cough while I do this? I'll yes, do the I'll do the whole break. Just just go cough your lungs out. No, I'm good. I'm All right. I am fine. You are not. But... I am fine. <laughs> I, am, I am fine. BXP is brought to you by the Misdirected Mark Network. Bing. Thank you. See, you needed me there. I did. <laughs> Would someone who's not fine be able to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, We are doing some brand new Patreon stuff. Um, If you haven't listened to the episode that updates about it, it's out there. Um, There's also a post on the Patreon that explains everything that's new. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I am going to point out that the biggest change is at the $10 level. We really appreciate everyone who's been giving us that much money. You guys mean so much to us. So now we're going to let you vote on what we do next. Um, and there should be a vote coming up soon because we got we got to make some choices. Like as soon as I'm done here, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, as always, any supporter gets access to our Discord and therefore to live episodes like this one. Hey! Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, they get to hear me cough in real time. Yeah, and us get really sidetracked. And um, they got to see all the hilarious emoji. <laughs> and a discussion on emoji. Hilarious. It's great. You should tune in for our live episodes. We're a riot. <laughs> uh, BXP is also now sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. Get all the coolest pride swag you can imagine at nerdykepi.com and use promo code BXPCAST to check out for 10% off. I finally got those sweet as fuck buy pride boots. God, they look so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, they like also... when I saw you, I was like, are those them? Are those the boots? No, those are just my, those are my buy pride sneakers. Those are good too. Yeah. I have two pairs of buy pride shoes from Nerdy Kepi. One has my sneakers have a galaxy pattern on and everybody fucking loves them. Mm-hmm. And then my boots have this beautiful floral pattern in the bi pride, like pink, blue, purple uh, pattern, like coloring. It's fucking as gorgeous. Excited, as excited as I am that we have a code. Yeah. I also need you guys to know that it doesn't actually expire. Yeah. You, you, can, can, you can always just have 10% off as long as you're using BXP cast at checkout. Yep. Uh, we want That's you to s- fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to support a small queer business. Yes. So please, please do. do go there and buy a ton of stuff. They have bags. They have T-shirts. They have mugs. They have shoes. They have stickers. Everything like all kinds of queer stuff you could possibly imagine. Please go sp- spend money there. It supports both of us. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We also need to tell you that BXP has a streaming show. Yes. Yeah. We do. Yeah, every other Sunday, uh, starting at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, um, you can join us for Letters Edged in Black, which is a Blades in the Dark game. There are also other Misdirected Mark shows on the Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash misdirectedmark. You should check it out. Watch those shows, too. But especially watch us. <laughs> yeah, I, like, like put makeup on and shit. So yeah, we, like, make an show effort, up, like, we make an effort to look nice. Yeah. And you'll get to see We're, our faces. The unofficial byline of our game is... Be gay and do crimes. Mm-hmm. Also, yep. yep. Leave it. Leave us a review. Yeah, yeah. Please. Oh, we've boy. been forgetting to ask. We've been forgetting to update. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've had a rough time of it. It's been a. It's been a rough time. But like in the mid episode break room, we've just totally forgotten to be like, oh, if you really like us, leave a review and give us a rating of five stars because that's literally how people find the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to give us money. 
But if you could leave us a good review and give us a good rating, that will mean other people get to see the show you really like, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that means more pressure and anxiety on Margaret to edit and update on time. Yes. It's win-win. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's win-win-lose. <laughs> uh, and if you like BXP, you'll like The Misdirected Mark. The network's flagship show, Chris, Phil, and Bob go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. All right. Anyway. All right. Back to the show. How does one avoid writing a heartbreaker? Setting and fiction-wise. Oh, thank you for reading my question exactly as it's written. Mm. I say that I... I said I think this is probably easier than the rules part, but then I wrote that and I was like, easy is probably the wrong word. Mm. Is it? Mm. Uh, well, having an engage... Okay, so then I say having an engaging idea <laughs> for what sort of world you want to play in seems more direct to me than, direct is, than, yes. than to build a whole system. So I think I'm going right. to lean more on the word direct than easy. Yes. Because what the fuck does easy even mean? It's 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 direct, but yes. it's also tricky, as okay. I'm about to go into. All right. Speaking purely as someone who has been to a lot of creative writing classes <laughs> and also had a few failed attempts at mentoring NaNoWriMo participants, the Heartbreaker fantasy world is a surprisingly easy thing to fall into in the sense that it's very easy to just simply recreate what you've seen so often in other fantasy settings without critically examining why it exists in these fantasy settings. I mentioned elves, dwarves, orcs earlier, but that still stands. A lot of people seem to think that it's not a fantasy without these three elements. And now with Game of Thrones looming so large in our collective consciousness, people get hung up on having the dark elements. Like, there has to be tricky house politics and shit. But you, we, we don't need those things. We don't need any of those things. Especially, especially if you don't actually want to write about them or design for them or encourage your players to play with these elements. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. To talk for a minute about this is something that actually Exalted did super well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I think one of the things like when we were driving to the airport, because I went to yet another con, um, I was with Julia and she was like, I'm bored explaining Exalted to me. And I was like, well, we have two and a half hours. So, like, and one of the points that I brought up when I was talking to her was that Exalted has such an impact on people because it's so different. And one of the things that it did very intentionally was not do any of those things. There are no elves, dwarves, and orcs. Right. And you might be it, able to point to one and be like, those are kind, kind of, of like the elves. Yeah, they're kind of like the elves. And these things kind are kind of like, like dwarves. dwarves, but there's definitely no orcs. There's no and I, there are no elves, there are no dwarves, there are no orcs. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, like, rather than, you're going to talk about Tolkien in a minute, rather than pull on that sort of Western idea, it appropriated a lot of Eastern things, which is not good and we're getting past that. But, like, yeah. but, but pulling from other sources of a fantasy made it so different. Right. Exactly. That, and that's, pulling from other sources of fantasy are going to, are, are what will help you escape Tolkien's death grip <laughs> that he has on us all. Right. And uh, it's, I mean, it's important to think about the kind of characters and stories you want your players to be able to inhabit within your system. And the answer for that is not, oh, whatever they want. They can't have whatever characters and stories they want. You can't accommodate for that. No game can be everything to all players. If you are most excited about 
your players or GMs telling stories about gnomish inventors within this world and sabotaging each other's research and development, then for fuck's sake, build your setting around how cool gnomish inventors are and how perilous <laughs> their R&D can get. Don't try to shoehorn in disparate elements just because you feel like you have to, because that's what other fantasies are doing. And it's not a fantasy without those. It will absolutely still be a fantasy. It'll be yours and it'll be unique because it's something that you particularly have a passion for without also going, oh, but D&D has halflings, so I better have some halflings, too. Like, no, if you don't want halflings, fucking cut them out. For, for my own, like, selfish anecdotal evidence, a couple years ago, I had this World of Warcraft fanfiction that I kept kicking around. Like, I felt like there was a seed of something original in there that I could turn into something because I really liked the story and I really liked the characters. What made me excited about coming back to it and turning it into an original world was acknowledging that I hated writing about the Alliance faction in World of <laughs> Warcraft. I hate the Alliance. Right. I love the Horde. I love the evil elves. I love the conscious undead. I Wait, love the you're, orcs. You're a monster fucker. We know. Yeah. That means, <laughs> this is not news to anyone. <laughs> it's not news to anyone. I don't like the Alliance. I love the Horde. So <laughs> I took out the stuff I didn't want to fucking write about. I don't want to write about the humans. I don't want to write about dwarves. So now I have this world and setting that's a, it's a weird fantasy zombie apocalypse where orcs are immune to an undead plague that wiped out the kingdoms of humans and dwarves. The elves only survived via seclusion and now they're all fucked up and weird. And I didn't need the politics and I didn't need dwarves or even humans because I just didn't want to write about those things. They weren't important to the setting. They weren't important to the story that I wanted to tell. So you... You have my permission, for what it's worth, to cut out the parts of your setting that are boring the hell out of you. Do not put them in your game. I'm going to interrupt you again. I have in my closet a handwritten manuscript from high school of what was like a Sailor Moon fanfic that sort of turned into its own thing, very much like what you just talked about, and is terrible. I mean, for a high school thing, it's not that. I mean, it's it's not that bad. Like I've I've reread it and been like, oh, actually, I had a lot of talent here. But like, it's stupid because it's, I wrote it in high school, and I keep that motherfucking thing like a talisman. Yes, you should. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> I wish I had the novel I wrote in high school. <laughs> it is in a binder, handwritten on three ring notebook paper. Holy shit! Yep. And these are all like, this goes back to the idea of how many steps away you can take from your source material, from your inspiration. If it's only one step away, then I'm basically writing World of Warcraft, except I called the elves something different. Right. A couple more steps away, and I've completely killed off all of the Alliance, because I didn't want to deal with those fuckers. <laughs> so now it's like, oh, okay, this is new. If it came down to it, if I, like, if I ran into a game that was Lord of the Rings with the serial numbers filed off, but had a really compelling system. So obviously I'm not talking about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I would, I would be heartbroken by this thing. I would probably hack the hell out of the system and come up with my new setting for it. Dunk ons and dragging. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so Monica. Yeah. How can they avoid writing a heartbreaker mechanically? Before we launch, I launch into this. Rob posted that is intense, which I assume was in response to me keeping my, my manuscript. It. Yeah. Which I wrote in class, by the way. That's how I got away with it. 
I just wanted to bring up a story from Metatopia in which I was like, I'm an Aries. And Phil was like, that tracks. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it is. I I just did it that way because I could get away with like writing in class. Anyway, how to avoid writing a heartbreaker mechanically. Yes, Monica. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to open this with basically get good noob. Uh, <laughs> do I think you do though because uh, that's I mean, what you just did. Mm. <laughs> I mean that's sort of a that's sort of a shitty attitude to have. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that could I be think, the answer to literally every episode we have. Right? How do I not do this thing? Good, Get good. good. Yeah, I definitely made a full re- more than one full reactionary system when I was like doing a lot of fan work um, uh-huh. and learning to be a designer. Um, and I actually think that like cutting your teeth by designing a heartbreaker or at least some other system in reaction to the stuff you hate is good practice mm-hmm. absolutely and like it's i guess my problem is that when people take that to like i'm, I'm gonna publish this because i sure didn't yeah not every rough draft belongs in the public light no <laughs> no <laughs> some of them gotta be locked away in your closet forever yeah i, I did find in my google drive the manuscript for one of them and is, oh boy. It, is it too full of myself to think that that maiden reaction system is actually pretty good, though? <laughs> I mean, for You're what it is. You're in Aries, for... so we'll let it slide. <laughs> I mean, for what it is, like, for a first attempt that, like, I, I, I read it over and it was very much in reaction to Exalted Second Edition. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. And highly influenced by first edition of Chronicles of Darkness, uh, which was sort of the new hotness at the time. And right. so it's sort of refining exalted second edition through the lens of the stuff that chronicles did particularly well and like yes it's systematically sort of a heartbreaker but i had a lot of fledgling talent at the time so a lot of it is implemented particularly well i mean that i mean that fits in with the 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 heartbreaker experience of okay a lot of this is garbage you have a couple of really good things in here that are really implemented well Mm -hmm. what i made is arguably a more playable version of Exalted Second Edition's combat system. Low bar, but <laughs> but like it was, it was more like yeah. a system that was intense house rules and less like mm-hmm. <laughs> its own thought. But like, but but for something I was practicing on at that stage in my life, like with my limited experience, I think it was a good first attempt. Obviously, I did not try to publish it. Well, yeah, no. Probably because I didn't have the resources to do so. And we don't have the confidence of a mediocre white man. No, that not that either. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, so I think that leads nicely into like the, the big fucking problem with Heartbreakers is when that writer or designer then takes it to Kickstarter or any other public forum and touts it as being better than Game X. It's always D&D. It's usually always D&D, except for this <laughs> one, which is exalted. Um, and when... <laughs> and when what they have is really just a yet another traditional fighting and math game created by one human with very little experience rather than say like a team of seasoned professionals who work for a big corporation or talk about D&D. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or even like, you would know. you say, um, would you say Kickstarter has kind of um, lowered the bar now for these heartbreakers? Cause back in like say 2002, it was a lot harder to get that shit published. Like you needed, you needed a lot more capital. Yeah. Do you think Kickstarter is kind of like opening the way for that again? I, yes. I mean, I think just sort of the age of the internet has made proliferating your content so much easier. Yeah. Not that that the internet didn't exist in 2002, but like now we have YouTube and we have streaming and we have Kickstarter and we have Itch.io and like 
so many places to put your shit out there where someone will give you money for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my answer to how can you not do this is the same answer that I give to people when I'm invariably in a dice pool heartbreaker at Metatopia, which is that I give them homework. So like, go read as much as you can. My bless, like, thank you, Henry, sincerely, because when we were gaming all the time in college, you didn't want to just play 3.5 D&D like so many other people I know. Like, I mean, I went through a very long period where all I wanted to play was Exalted, but I also play- <laughs> I also willingly played other things. And sometimes I was a butt about it. I'm sorry I was 19. God damn it, we were that young. Yes, we were. Oh we were my that God. young. Yeah, I mean, like, college was 18 to 21. Oh so, my God. like, that's a shitty point in my life. I'm sorry. Ugh. I'm so sorry. I was a garbage human then. Uh, <laughs> Insufferable. But, <laughs> but, like, Henry made us play Adventure. We played D&D 3.5. Like, we played everything we could get our hot little hands on. And so, like, my formative gaming experience was already off the bat with a ton of different things, like different settings, different systems. Like, and we were in a period of time where a lot of things were similar, but like I played Warhammer Fantasy. Fuck, what else did I play? We played a ton of stuff. Weapons of the Gods. Weapons of the Gods, yeah! Fuck yeah, Weapons of the Gods. All kinds of stuff. Like our game, college gaming group played a ton of games and in a wide breadth. And so like, just because that was my formative experience, that in part, made me a good designer like taught me yeah. a lot of things yeah. because so so like when i sat down to do my own thing or to make it better like i had already experienced a whole bunch of other stuff just because of the way i was raised <laughs> you know yeah yeah and you know now i'm now that i'm i'm grown <laughs> i don't have time to play every single possible game that comes my way but i do have time to read through them yes yes uh, henry bought a copy of spire <gasps> yes yeah yeah, yeah. I, want, I that's on my list of games that i heard about at metatopia that i gotta look into yeah and so that's i've been flipping through it because that seems really like it seems like it's a really interesting system and like the classes and stuff are super fucking flavorful and it's really beautiful like, it's a beautiful fucking game so like that's that's expanding my horizons too and so i say read as much as you can buy pdfs uh support indie artists uh borrow books from your friends like you know Get your hot little hands on anything you possibly can. It's it's the same it's the same advice any other creative professional will give you in any other industry is you've got to consume as much of your not competitor your comparative product like your, as your, possible your contemporaries yeah con your contemporaries if you're designing a indie narrative game try and like catch up on as much of these little games that are being published on itch.io as you can oh yeah if you are serious about trying to make the next DD, &D, catch up on every other d20 catch up on all the other fantasy heartbreakers right like if you were coming to me as like i want to be a young adult sci-fi writer i'd be like all right cool here's a list of other young adult sci-fi writers that you need to read you need to be you reading. have to do your homework yeah and it's not it's not Sometimes that can be discouraging advice because I think when you say that people hear you're not good enough, which is not what that, that not means. It. That's not what that, that, that not means. It's not the case that like, it's not that someone else has already done it air quotes better than you. It's, it's that this body exists and to make your own way in it, you need to understand the body of work that has preceded you. Yeah. You need to understand the context that your work will yes. exist in. Right. Yes. 
Right, so that you don't show up with something and are like, this thing is better than this other thing. And a bunch of people are like, yeah, a whole bunch of systems have already done that. Yeah, somebody else already did that, right? Somebody already did that. And, like, and they did it better. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oops. I don't necessarily know that I want to throw around the word better, but they well, may have done it with more polish and they have right. done it with more experience. And so therefore, they have more successfully achieved the experience that you are also trying to create. How's that? And also consider our episode on stealing like a designer and how much of it requires borrowing from things that already exist. By going out and doing this homework, you are essentially building your own toolbox by looking at the things that people are doing and going, I really like that. I don't really like that. You're, 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 building your, you're building your palette, basically, of things that you can bring to your own design work. Yeah, so for, for Demigod, I straight up lifted and changed a mechanic from Vampire 5th Edition for creating the sort of thing that makes your demigod power go haywire. Why the fuck not? Because it <laughs> You worked. can't copyright mechanics. Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it's very similar in which your dice pool slowly fills up with this other kind of dice. And when you roll successes on those dice, blowout shit happens. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. Yep. And there was no need to reinvent it. Just go and see if someone else was doing it. Right. So Take like, the things that you like and change the things that you don't. So to break that down, just just because this is also a design show, let me let me let me show you, let me show my work. Yeah. Uh, so like the uh, that's hunger dice from Vampire Fifth Edition, which create the experience of like a vampire being a monster that needs to feed. Right. So the more you ignore your inherent vampiric desire to drink blood, human blood specifically, and be a monster the more hunger dice build up, right? And they replace your pool gradually. And when you roll successes or failures on your hunger dice, when you roll your pool, that causes you to like let the beast out. Like you perform uncontrolled feats of inhuman strength or like you're suddenly vicious and violent or whatever. And then when you have no more regular dice left, you cannot control yourself. You have to go kill someone. Pretty intense mechanic, right? Yes. And also very very, vampire. Yes. And also very firmly like gets across the feeling of being a vampire through the way that that dice works. So Demigod is supposed to be a game about straddling the line between mortality and divinity. And all Demigod stories end in something big, epic, and explosive happening to you where either you succeed and overcome, like overcome the trial and become a god and your mortality burns away and you become divine or you fail and your story's over. Or or like, I think there's probably going to be a whole bunch of stuff about what happens to failed demigods. Like, it's not that your character permanently retires, but like you, you can opt into a bad ending is what all I'm saying before anybody gets sort of touchy about that. So I took the idea of, okay, this is also a dice pool system. It's also D10. So I can, I can one-to-one port this. Here's a list of things that trigger your dice pool transforming into divinity dice. But because I don't want to create the experience of being a monster, I want to create the experience of being explosively, uncontrollably powerful because it's your god side leaping out, not your monster side leaping out, right? So the Divinity Dice pool fills up exactly the same way Hunger Dice does, where there's a particular set of triggers that happen, but all of them are related to doing god things, which which are already hard-coded into silence mechanics. Right. But then, once you have a full pool of Divinity Dice, you can do a whole lot of ridiculously good things it doesn't force you to have to do bad things but whatever you do will be catastrophically successful or fail horribly right and once you're once your pool reach once you max out on divinity dice you cause something tremendous to happen and then your pool resets (laughs) and it does it over and over and over again hunger dice persist because you know you're a fucking monster right so 
as a demi, uh, and you can also intentionally go Super Saiyan and flood your whole pool with with demigod with divinity dice if you want to risk it for whatever that's going to happen. I really want to fucking play demigod. <laughs> <laughs> so like that is the the divinity dice work significantly differently. They work significantly differently than hunger dice do because because I'm creating a different experience. But but from the base mechanic, it's the same. We're discussing blurgs. Hang on a second. <laughs> anyway. Games aren't made in a vacuum, so go look at what's out there. Sorry. <laughs> you had a great conclusion. And I started talking about blurgs. <laughs> yeah, go go forth. Gain experience and exposure and feedback and research everything. And keep growing as you make games. Your game isn't going to be per- your first game isn't going to be perfect. No. Your second game isn't going to be your nope. third game. Nope. You're not going to make the perfect game. Mm-mm. Just make the game that you want to make. You will eventually finish it and move on. Yeah, you will eventually get pretty good at it, though. You will eventually get pretty good at it. Yeah. No, no one is ever perfect, but lots of people are pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, I I know a good podcast you can listen to if uh, it's design advice you're looking for. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, I think you can find that show at uh, bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. <laughs> what if i wanted to email their hosts because i have a question about that game design thing um if you want to ask the hosts of that really cool show a game design question you could send it to bonus at gmail.com mm. and they'll probably answer you they might answer you yeah email so hard to get to nowadays i know uh i prefer twitter are they on twitter they are on twitter you can dm or at the hosts to ask them the, your game design questions, and you can do that. At, or talk about blurgs. Or talk about blurgs. <laughs> send us Fire Emblem fan art. Uh, Please. Listen to any of our episodes. You ought to know who our ships are. Uh, that you can send them <laughs> to at BonusEXPCast. <laughs> um, are you on Twitter? Uh-huh. Monica? I am. Are I you? hope you like Fire Emblem <laughs> fan art. My ships are Byleth and Edelgard, Femme Byleth and Edelgard, and Catherine and Shamir. Thank you. Mm, send send okay. me fan art. All right. And follow me right. at Zena Sun. Cool. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get back to talking about game design, I promise. Cool. I'm already sweating because <laughs> Mike's coming up next. Oh, I'm on Twitter. I mean, you don't have to say what your ships are. I just I'm did it to be funny. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, too. Um, I'm Ray underscore Cole on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Please don't follow me on Twitter right now. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> You're embarrassing. It's like five fire adorable. fan art and then one that's like, here's a normal post. I'm a normal adult. <laughs> and five more fire emblem fan art pictures. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. I am fine. <laughs> I am just fine. <laughs> Everybody get out. All right. I guess we ought to go. It's getting kind of late. Change it if you want to. Change it if you want to. Do I have to do this? Ugh, fine. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray. And edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram.
Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution non-commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mart network. Uh, I'm not reading this. Fuck it. Bye.